0: You're listening to this osteopathic life. This is Dr. Amelia Beaky. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings. These conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice.
1: Welcome back to This Osteopathic Life and an episode of Conversations for the Health of All Things. I'm so excited to share with you today a great friend of mine, Dr. Adam Harrison, who is a British physician, lawyer, and leadership coach who works with physicians and medical leaders specializing in helping those who have experienced workplace bullying and organizations who are interested in detoxifying their culture. He has recently launched the podcast Inspiring Women Leaders, where he showcases incredible female leaders, highlighting their leadership journeys and how they have navigated challenging situations along the way for the benefit and learning of the audience. Such important concepts, such great work, and I'm so happy to have you join me here on the show today.
2: Oh, Thanks so much for having me, Amelia. I'm really grateful. I'm really excited about this.
1: Well, we have so many places we could go with the story, but let's go back to how did you get into medicine and law and coaching, and how has that brought <laughs> you to where you are today?
2: Okay, well, I think... With with medicine, um, it's probably fairly standard. Um, as in, I was I was very good at science, and I really liked people. I'd always been working with people. Uh, I I think I started working in shops and stores from the age of thirteen um, on Saturdays. So I you know I I kind of had was used to those interactions. So, um, and yeah, I I guess um, it's just something that I saw that I could do although I didn't have any um, role models in my family I was the first person to go to university so um, but my mom worked uh, in a sort of clerical role in a, a doctor's clinic um, so I got to interact with some of the doctors that way and and, and maybe that was uh, how I was inspired and I had, I had friends I, w- I went to a school where you had it was a selective school you had to pass an exam to get in and so a lot of the you know quote unquote, clever people's kids, you know, doctors, lawyers, teachers, they they were there. So I I guess I m- mixed with people who had medical parents, you know, um, mm-hmm. and yeah. And so I, I did. I pursued it. Um, and um, I loved it. I love loved my medical training. And uh, along the way, I learned some, uh, some history of medicine. I took a year out to an extra degree in history of medicine. Um, so I guess I was always kind of like, you know that way inclined with the social sciences as well um and yeah just just started um, working as a doctor in 2000 and uh, initially I'd, I'd always been very interested in um forensic pathology and uh, so I started off kind of um you had to do histopathology in the UK to mm-hmm. to go down that route um so I started doing that but um yeah it didn't didn't really work out that that training Role didn't really work out, and uh, I didn't want to spend sort of five years doing that to be able to get into forensics. Mm-hmm. So I then went into surgery, um, surgical training as a resident, and this is when I uh, really started to experience um, most of my workplace problems um, mm-hmm. as a uh, someone who was a victim of, of bullies, uh, who mainly my attendings, uh, in, in honesty, um, and almost every surgical job that I had. And in the UK at that time, you could move around every six months. So I do six months of cardiothoracic, six months of trauma orthopedics, six months of urology, whatever. And, uh, there was always, there was always someone, uh, who kind of made me feel, um, a bit bad about myself really. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I was like, well, do I really want to be these people's immediate colleagues in, you know, like, seven years time or so and uh, it was a very very easy no mm-hmm. um to that answer uh, to that question so um I I thought well you know what what um what else I enjoy I thought I enjoyed all things in medicine really in med school I enjoyed all of my placements you know so I, I suppose really I was a born family physician because you mm-hmm. get to do everything from cradle to grave you know uh, mm-hmm. and everything in between and um so I yeah I, I decided to changed up my training program and uh, qualified as a family physician and i uh, yeah i i guess i'd always from from being a medical student point of view i guess i'd always seen family physicians as a, a really friendly lovely bunch you know um but in the uk they're they're really they they're small business owners mm-hmm. um and they, they can be quite cutthroat to be honest with you and I'd not you don't see that side of it though as a student you know it's only when you start working with them as a uh, as a colleague or contemporary that you see that so um, I actually experienced some workplace bullying in family medicine as well and I just thought I just maybe it's me maybe it's medicine's not for me or something so with the kind of forensic pathology interest I guess I'd always had that kind of interest in the interface between medicine and law mm-hmm. and I thought you know I just, it didn't work out with the the forensic side, but I do need to scratch that itch somehow. So then I went to work for uh, an organization that that represents doctors. Mm -hmm. So in the UK, you pay your your insurance, we call indemnity, and um, the organizations then uh, not just help you if you're sued, but also if you have a complaint against you, or if the the regulator you know the medical board has some action it's taking against you these organizations help you with those and they provide legal support and all this so i went to work for one of those and uh, i loved it but as the as a medically qualified member of staff it was um you always had to hand it over to the legally qualified people when it got super interesting so i was like uh i want to be doing that bit i want to be you know complete a finisher you know i want to i want to do that bit so um that's when I went back to law school and did my, um, my law training and, uh, passed the bar in 2014. But by that stage, um, we had a, a first child a what one, a one year old, she was one mm-hmm. at the time. And my wife was on a very established training pathway in maxillofacial surgery. Mm-hmm. So she was like a, a senior resident in that. And, and, you know, she was guaranteed kind of, if she carried on down that route to become an attending. And um, I was at the very start of my law journey as, you know, and uh, I was like, well, you know, I think my wife has invested more time. Um, So I decided to take a backseat from the, um, the, the legal, uh, pursuing that legal dream really. Um, And uh, I mean, everything happens for a reason um, as my wife always says, and I, Used the legal qualification to kind of get some advisory roles, which then led to medical leadership roles. And it was while I was an assistant medical director for a, um, a region in the, in the national health service that uh, I had some leadership coaching of my own. And by this stage, I was about 42 or something like that. And it was the first time in my life that anyone had ever asked me what my values were. And given me a survey to, to to kind of work out what my values were. As if, you know, we don't know. But I could it was it's an odd thing. We all we all know, you know, kind of inherently where our moral compass takes us. It kind of like, you know, draws us towards things that are aligned with our values and it makes mm-hmm. us recoil in horror from things that are, are very much not aligned with our values. But but to actually put words to what those values are. It's quite hard when you, you know, when you kind of start, well, what are my values? So um to, that was a really uh, eye-opening to do that survey. And then I all of a sudden had these words that, you know, kind of, oh, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. So justice is one of my values. That's why I ended up studying the law and why I put my head above the parapet and kind of stand up for people who are being bullied at work or people who are being treated unfairly at work, you know. Uh, it's And it actually made it, it made me start to make sense to myself, you know? Um, so yeah, it was really an epiphany, um, to be coached and, you know, kind of a year later, my, uh, my wife had this fellowship to do in Darwin, Australia. So we were all going overseas and there were too many hurdles for me to kind of, um, end up practicing clinically. Uh, in Australia as a family physician so I was like well, okay you know I'll, I'll do everything else and look after the, the unit and look after the kids and do all the school runs and whatever you're going to be she was working on one in two on call um, so um, I, I said but you know in good kind of medic style I was like but I need to achieve something out of our time away as well you know you can't you're going to have a fellowship out of it but what am I going to achieve in that time and I was like aha I will do my coach training Mm-hmm. so that's um that's when i did that i did did it with a, an australian provider and uh yeah qualified as a life leadership and executive coach um yeah over there in september 2020 i finished so mm-hmm. yeah that kind of brings my i'm hoping that's my last career change <laughs> i think i think it is yeah <laughs> i'm, I'm career happy expansion now. career
1: integration <laughs> you know just bringing them all together and you know that key area, and we've talked about in different iterations of workplace bullying, which often isn't addressed. It isn't even, you know, acknowledged in the mm-hmm. practice of medicine. Sometimes we just see it. It's just part of the culture. You know, we talk yeah. about hazing and we look at different systemic shifts. You know, here we've maybe made a work hours restriction. That's it, right? We've taken care of all yeah. of the, the problems that we have in the practice of medicine. So how do you bring that forward? And in coaching, perhaps the follow-up question is, how do you help individuals see what is theirs to change and that they aren't right to blame. Like you mentioned, we often think it must just be me, right? Like I just must not fit the surgical mold. And, and that's why this is happening. So how do you bridge those gaps?
2: Yeah, you're right. It's, it's really difficult. um, Because there's a huge amount of self blame and shame associated with it. And, um, and, and so there's, you know, stigma attached to that because, you know, Doctors, where you know we're generally quite forthright people, educated people, confident people, um assertive people, um and that's you know that demonstrates a chink in the armor, doesn't it? If we start to say, uh you know, I've been bullied and this is how it's affected me, so it's really quite taboo still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um But I do, I do have a, ma- a mantra for my uh, for my clients, and part of that is most importantly, it isn't your fault. Mm-hmm. and then leading on from that is you're not alone and then the yeah. the last the last part of it is you have no reason to feel ashamed but how how i demonstrate to people that they're not alone is that i i, I just i just pull the i pull the data you know mm-hmm. and i said these these studies show and there's a few national health service studies and there's a, a few a lot of studies from the um the workplace bullying institute in the states you know uh ruth and, and gary namey Mm-hmm. and there's a phenomenal data actually and you know it kind of uh made me think about this well okay so if it's i mean there was a very very famous study in uh in JAMA, but it was it's it's a it's a pretty old study uh it's about 50 years old or something like that it's, it's mm-hmm. a it's a pretty old study but it basically uh looked at a a cohort of um of medical students as they progressed through their career so it kind of like surveyed them when they were students then when they were residents and then when they were attendings and although something like 40 the low 40 percent like 42 percent or something of them had experienced what they felt to be some kind of bullying as medical students by Mm -hmm. the time that same group of people were attendings it was like in the 80s so i sort of say to people look you know um you know, the walk along the hospital corridor, hospital corridors are you know, generally notoriously quite long and you're going to pass lots of people on that walk. So if you pass um, another nine attendings and you're someone who feels they've experienced workplace bullying, then out of those nine, there's going to be at least seven of them. Seven of your mm-hmm. colleagues who you kind of like, you know, hi, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of pass, pass courtesies with. Who are in the same boat or have been in the same boat as you, and if mm-hmm. only we could uh, open up the conversation and destigmatize it what a, what an Im- amazingly rich and and enormous pool of of resources that would be there for for mm-hmm. us to help yeah. each other you know um, it, it's quite stark um, but in terms of what I work on with my clients, having experienced you know double figures of workplace bullying events over the years. The things that the way it's made me feel is it's made me feel um, very worthless. Like I don't, you know, I don't deserve to be there. Like, you know, some of them are like, you know, mm-hmm. just get out of my site, get out of my OR.
0: You know, mm-hmm. you're,
2: you're less, you're less than useless. Just, you know, I don't, I don't want to see your face again today, mm-hmm. you know, and you feel like, you know, the muck on the bottom of someone's shoe when they've trod in, you know, doggy, doggy do, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, that, that, you know, just obviously kind of like leads on to imposter syndrome. Cause then you're like, well, I don't, I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't deserve to be in this job. I don't deserve to be in this, in, in this post in this esteemed mm-hmm. institution, you know? Um, and so there's, it's a huge amount of, um, self-confidence loss that I work on and the mindset really because you just get that kind of spirals into a negative mindset your inner critics working overdrive your limiting beliefs are off the charts Mm -hmm. you know it's all kind of tied in so um and also just empowering people so i kind of you know it's it's powerlessness that's really uh you know a really prominent feeling as well and so i help people deal with the acute stress of the situation Mm -hmm. you know how they're feeling when they're being balled at on the ward in front of their colleagues or when they're being subtly undermined because there are multiple guises in which this takes place. Um, but the feelings that they get and how to, how to manage those feelings of stress, um, and, and how to from a confidence side of things become more assertive. So you, you know, you will, you don't necessarily feel like you're going to take that, you know, that's not, that's not acceptable you know, you've, you've crossed a line with that um, and maintaining those boundaries and maintaining your own strength boundaries Mm -hmm. um, and dealing with conflict, just, just kind of, you know, not being afraid of conflict. Um, So yeah, they're the, they're the kind of the things that I do with my my clients.
1: And a couple of things that come up for me too, is we oftentimes will think the hierarchy you know, it takes precedence over our human rights, right? Because, right, they have this experience or they have this title or they, you know, are this valuable resource. And I think about that, and, you know, and the surgical okay. space does lend itself sometimes to this, right? And, and many times we'll say, oh, it's okay, right? Like we can deal with the bedside manner and the hostility and the toxicity because look, right? Look at this amazing revolution they're offering and the treatment they're offering for patients. And how do we walk that line, right? When is it okay enough, right? That they're offering this valuable service and this maybe life-changing life-saving treatments, you know, or procedure, but does it? does that still make it okay right to act the way they might act towards their colleagues, you know, towards the staff, even towards their patients sometimes.
2: Yeah, I mean obviously there's um the cost the cost of that um you know to the individual the cost of that to the institution and the cost of that to the patients can be can be great can't it because um okay so okay i have an example from um a mutual a mutual doctor that we know um on the coaching program that i've worked on and uh he's a he's a medical leader and he's uh trying to rehabilitate a problem surgeon Okay. Other other specialties are available, he isn't always surgeons okay, yeah. <laughs> um but um you know who um is one of the top eight um surgeons in his specialty um in the world um but he is just abrasive and uh, and curt and unpleasant to everyone around him. And, you know, he has that kind of gold complex thing going on, I think, and uh, he just upsets everyone. And there are lots of complaints that come in about him. So what, you know, that's. So would you have someone like that who has amazing surgical outcomes for the patients, but who is upsetting, um, upsetting colleagues, uh, you know, left, right and centre, And uh, they're going off work sick and there's a cost that comes to that and doctors and nurses are leaving the institution and then there's a cost of recruitment um, Mm -hmm. that that comes with that. Um, And then there's the cost to the patient because if you've just, you know, if someone's just shouted at you, um, you're going to take that that stress with you on, on all of your interactions during the day. Um, so, you know, you get out of, get out of my OR, you know, you're useless and and an instrument's thrown at you or something like that. Okay. And then you're very shaken and you're very upset. And then you're, you know, your head's not in the game when you asked to go and review a patient who's unwell. Mm -hmm. And then what might be the cost of that, that that patient actually, their outcome is worse because of the way you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And there's also the effect of people who witness the way you're being treated mm-hmm. and they also are distracted not to the same yeah. extent so if you think of all that you know there's the kind of the extra morbidity costs on the other patients then there's the cost of recruitment and if you kind of add all this up is it um you know you know how, how do you reconcile that with the value of this amazing surgeon who does mm-hmm. great work you know so
1: yeah and the part that comes through for me, too, is thinking about, of course, like coaching and here in healing capacity and the osteopathic vantage point of the health of all things is what about that surgeon? You know, so the book, What Happened to You, right, with Oprah and I can't think of the co-author because Oprah <laughs> is so much easier to remember in the moment. <laughs> but why? Right. And is that necessary? Like, is that a necessary part to become, you know, the top eight in the world to create those boundaries and bristling so that... You know, there's some barrier because if you're seen as human, right, is it too vulnerable to then take on these tasks? And so do you have the opportunity to work with the bully, you know, in this experience? Does that come through for you?
2: Um, I have had a, uh, a handful of clients who have been, how can I put this, um, It has been suggested to them by their managers that they get some coaching. Um, because they have uh, a certain manner that may upset people and mm-hmm. um, you know it's an opportunity for them really to reflect on themselves and see whether there's any room for improvement um, so I I have um, not as many as people who have been targeted in, in bullying and I would like to work with more of the you know bullies or the perpetrators should we say Mm -hmm. um because you know again um someone like that if they end up being being fired you know they that does create a huge cost to the organization to replace them Mm -hmm. um and also you know clinically they were brilliant um Mm -hmm. but you know um none of us are irreplaceable even though some people think that they are you know um and would you rather have someone who's you know in the top 20 of that of that surgeon in the world but they're a nicer person Mm -hmm. and maybe their outcomes aren't quite as good but they're still pretty stellar because they're in the top 20 in the world right Mm -hmm. um but they're just not going to go around inflaming everyone and you know making people feel depressed Mm um but yeah um I would like to I would like to work with more but I think institutions find themselves in that difficult position of um if you're singling someone out then there's some potential kind of employment law backlash Mm -hmm. from that um so I suppose the the best way to to deal with it is let's say you have um a leadership coaching program for let's say 10 10 attendings and really that whole course on um and that whole program on inclusivity and diversity and equity in the workplace and all of that all of the things and kindness in the workplace that we want really just to be working on this one person and the institution (laughs) know, yeah 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 so you put it on for the whole group so there's no one's being singled out and then Uh, hopefully that person will be looking around at their nine excellent colleagues who are really kind leaders Mm -hmm. and learning from them
1: yeah I think that's so helpful and we all can take the piece that we want right And as we cultivate these group programs it does you know the same words ring differently for different people in their situations I'm curious and this is such important work so how has all of this right so physician and lawyer and coach brought you to this moment and we're recording this right on launch day of podcaster (laughs) and how did you come to choose your podcast mission vision title as inspiring women leaders
2: i mean honestly it's been my my great um fortune and blessing to have worked for and with some amazing female leaders over the years in, in medicine and in coaching. And, um, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame to say this as a, as a man, but the, the worst, the worst leaders that I've worked for and the worst perpetrators of bad behavior have, have been men, um, almost, almost exclusively. And yeah, it just kind of hit me when, um, actually when we, when shortly after we'd arrived in Australia, which was in, in July, 2019. So about a month, a month or two after that. And I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine. He's another uh, family physician who's a wellbeing expert as well. And I said, you know, I really want to put on some kind of conference um, to showcase, um, you know, these, this, the skills and expertise and just great leadership styles that these women that I've worked with, um have and that they can share with the world if they're if they're willing to do it, you know and um I you know, kind of I was thinking about it planning it a little bit and talking to some uh you know event organizers and things, and then the pandemic came along about six months later, and then we ended up having to stay in Australia for six more months, you know, hardship, mm-hmm. but you know someone has to do it <laughs> um and um you know it just kind of went went by the wayside a little bit um, but it it's just been yeah gnawing at me I think um and since you know coming into my stride with coaching thanks to thanks to you and the opportunities that you've given me and the leadership work I've done with some of you know your institutions clients Mm -hmm. you know on your behalf and uh you know being being in circles like in the in the entre md business school where so so many of our colleagues have podcasts
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it's just like well this this is a transferable idea this is something that i can bring onto actually a much bigger stage a much bigger platform because it's not just going to be a face to face conference down in london mm-hmm. that 50 or 100 people might go to who are just british and they're mm-hmm. just interested Uh, So you're almost attracting the wrong crowd anyway. You want to, you want to inspire people who are um, not aware of what great leadership Mm -hmm. is, you know, in a way. Um, And now there's this, you know, this, this thing about podcasts is you can actually reach everyone, reach ears around the world. Mm -hmm. It's amazing, isn't it? You know? So, so it's, it's, it's far reaching and um, yeah, it's, it's just something that I, I had to do um, as a, as a strong male ally, and as a father of two girls, and mm-hmm. a husband to an absolutely amazing um, female leader, a female medical leader, and and son and brother to three amazing women, um, I just had to do it. Uh, it was not it was not negotiable. It's just a mm-hmm. calling. Yeah, to
1: share That's
2: it, so to share fantastic. all these you know um, nuggets with the world.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and allyship is so important and so powerful so congratulations and happy birthday
0: <laughs> to thank the you podcast.
1: yeah i <laughs> will note this celebrate it i'm i partnered this aussie public life's birthday with mine just for my own date keeping so
2: <laughs> oh that's a great <laughs> idea. solution
1: for that yeah
2: well oh, i i can have yeah. two celebrations yeah and i like the absolutely. queen absolutely
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> I love it. And so as you look forward, like you mentioned, maybe your last career change, you hopefully, likely, and, you know, the podcaster, right? We, We didn't have that one in there yet and we've tacked it on now. So what do you see? Let's look forward for this next year. You know, what is most exciting for you? What are you looking most forward to? What do you see coming out of this integration of all the ways you have trained yourself up in the world?
2: Okay, so it's it's interesting actually because i do even though i qualified as a lawyer um i never practiced uh but i i still have a legal mindset for some things so i'm i i still kind of like i've got a couple of clients that i will talk about um some of their hr processes with them uh or how they might be coming across to their employees and how to be quite careful you know in that way the way they're perceived uh, as leaders and how that could backfire potentially so i guess that kind of occasionally comes into my um, my coaching work i guess primarily you know i'm a, i'm a, a a doctor who has worked in lots of different specialties i've worked a lot in hospital i've worked a lot in in the community and um you know i've been i've experienced workplace bullying i've experienced career transitions a lot as we've said Mm-hmm. um I burnt out at least a couple of times that I know of and so I have all these experiences um that w- you know while I'm not unique I'm quite a- an unusual package mm-hmm. um and you know so the um the, co- the coaching thing is just for me it's it's amazing it's, it's such a great opportunity to kind of like tie everything together mm-hmm. um and I I I just, I'm, I'm so, you know, I know that you've spoken to some of the people that I've coached, and you know, you say, oh, they've said really good things about you. I will come off those calls euphoric, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm in the UK, and I'm coaching people in the states. The vast majority of my, my clients are um, American, and it'll be late at night. It'll be a night till ten p.m. here, you know, mm-hmm. just to, to fit fit around them. To be fair, they're really flexible with me um and i i won't be able to get to sleep for a couple of hours because it's just been an amazing <laughs> session and i i so i i i know how much i love it but obviously i want to um make as much impact and serve as many people as possible so um i'll always carry on with you know one to one individual coaching but i have some um group program plans i have okay. a um so the i'll come back to the podcast the um mm-hmm. i have a bullying program that I'm starting in the fall. Uh provisional date is 12th of September. That would be like a, a 12 week program to really um rebuild and and strengthen the confidence of the people who've experienced that um and help with their mindset, help with their inner critic and the limiting beliefs. Um, so all the things that I talked about before. Um, and I've got I'm collaborating with a couple of uh, people Um, leadership coach a lawyer um to do separate programs as well Mm -hmm. um group programs again and yeah and i just want um this this podcast i feel um is just so needed at a time when we're seeing leadership on the world stage being some of the worst leadership that you can imagine um Mm -hmm. there's such a need for you know inspiring and um, amazing leadership messages and that's what my guests all bring and so I I see I see this as starting as a podcast but hopefully becoming a movement you know I would I would Mm -hmm. love to come over to the states and for us to have a have an inspiring women leaders conference or retreat or something like that yeah where we where we get you know people who have been on on my show like yourself um, and actually come up and, and and talk for half an hour. We do like a a fireside chat on the stage and we we talk through stuff, Um, you know, so the the sky's the limit. Yeah.
1: I'm fully in support of that. Well, thank you for bringing all of that forward. (laughs) And we've heard so many ways, but as we consider all the different contributions you're making, how would you say that you see yourself for the health of all things?
2: My, my priorities are to, um, to help those people um, and mainly physicians because it's my wheelhouse um, who have experienced workplace bullying and feel desperate, um, feel so rock bottom in confidence and their own sense of empowerment uh, because I've been there. For me, I I want to help as many people as I can kind of turn turn that around and make them stronger, confident, empowered people. Um, and I also see, um, you know, spreading the gospel, if you like, of kind leadership and, mm. you know, detoxifying awful workplace cultures so that people like our, our daughters – and our, our nieces um, can, you know, the next generation can thrive in the workplace, you know, um, and not just, and for both genders, but also partly to, you know, bridge that gender inequity gap in terms of um, pay and the way that, that women are treated in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a personal mission of mine.
1: Absolutely. I'm glad you're on that. And how can people find more out about your work and the programs that you have going?
2: Yeah. Um, my website is just, uh, www.dradamharrison.com. So that's d r a d a m h a w r i s o n dot com, N.com or one word. Um, and most of my stuff is on there. I do need to update it. Now I've launched <laughs> my podcast today. Um, sure. But, uh, I'm also, uh, probably my most up-to-date thing is probably my LinkedIn profile, which is just Dr. Adam Harrison. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm on, I'll send you my links, but I'm on Instagram and Twitter and I have a Facebook page and stuff. So people can find me all over the place.
1: Hopefully. And tune in great episodes forthcoming. Well, thank yes. you so much for the <laughs> fabulous work that you're doing and for taking the time here to share that with us on the show. And we look forward to seeing how your mission continues to expand.
2: <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much for having me and um, keep up the amazing work, uh, Amelia. You are one of my inspiring women leaders and uh, you know, I'm so grateful to, to you for everything you've done. You've helped me with and the opportunities you've given me. Mm,
0: so thank you. Thank you. you. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of this osteopathic life conversations for the health of all things take a moment to like, rate and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at this osteopathiclife at gmail.com, visit the website at this osteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at this Osteopathic life. Thank you so much for listening.